0: Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler. And I am joined today with giggle pots galore. (laughs) Looking around the room, they've been sabotaging the start of this episode for the last 10 minutes. Making ridiculous (laughs) jokes. Trying to put me off my game. But alas, they failed. I'm on my game. And hopefully they will be too, momentarily. First, the giggliest of them all, Misha Bikigia.
1: Season's greetings.
0: <laughs> that sounded very mature and grown up.
1: I try. And not
0: quite so giggly, Melissa Kavanaugh. Hello. And the least of the giggles, Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that like your pretend grown up voice? That was my grumpy voice. That was grumpy? Yeah.
2: Okay. Like, I'm usually not grumpy, so I, had the pra- I didn't know that was going to come all right, try out. it again. Hello, everybody. You sound like Eeyore. Eeyore. Oh, that's just my... That's like depressed.
0: Yeah. My depressed voice. Yeah. Anyway, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Almost. Almost. We're, we're about a week away, but we're thankful that you're listening to the show, and if you're thankful for the show, we usually plug it at the end, but we would really, really like for you to go and leave a review on iTunes. It's super simple now. You click on the shows or the library tab and click on the shows. Find Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast, and you can leave the review right there. So please do that. It makes our day, nay, makes our year, one would think. And we'll read them out on the show. But today's episode, what is it, Misha? You wrote this one.
1: I did. It is five super simple marketing psychology hacks that you can implement today to increase your direct bookings. Wow,
0: that is the clickbaitiest of them all, isn't it?
1: I do what I again.
0: Yeah, so we, we kind of have a joke in the, in the office about clickbaity articles. Now, the difference between our clickbaity um, headlines for our shows and other clickbaity articles is that we actually hopefully provide good content with our show, right? A lot of clickbait is just nonsense to get you to click and get some vanity metrics. We like to have fun with our subject lines and our, our topic titles, and that's why we came up with that. So you have the word simple, you have a number in there, you have hacks. Yeah.
1: Increase. The,
0: yeah. I mean, it's all there. If you put the word secret in there, I mean, it would just Ooh, be... We
1: might throw some secrets in there. It would be we'll bananas.
0: O- you have to put in that the OTAs don't want you to know. Oh. I mean, oh, That yeah. will push it over yes. the top. Yes.
1: That's right. But you, right. you don't want to... Your headline can't be too, too long because then, people, it, you know... Yeah, That's true.
0: read it. But it's going to be banana analytics either way if you put secret in there. So, before we get on to that, let's see what's going on in the news, ladies and gentlemen.
2: All right. Well... I think we only have one news item for today, and it is brought to us by TechCrunch. And the title of the article is, Airbnb buys, in quotes, Airbnb for disabled people startup, Accomable in an accessibility upgrade. So what happened is in 2015, a new site was launched called Accomable.com. And it was launched by two disabled people out of London who were tired of loving to travel, but finding it very, very difficult to find Airbnb-type accommodations that would support, you know, someone who is disabled getting in and out of pools, so you know, into the house and everything like that. So they created the site Accomable.com that allows you to search for properties based on very handicap-specific criteria. If it has a a pool hoist, you know, if it has ramps, if it is, you know, visually impaired visually impaired, you know, enabled, you know, different, you know, criteria like that. And it's taken off pretty well. They have about, I think, uh, the last I checked, I think it was around 100 or 10,000 listings on the site now. And Airbnb, knowing that this is a a direction that is, is growing and a service that needs to be provided, did, you know, pick them up just recently. So that'll be interesting to see kind of where that goes.
3: I think that this is awesome because I come from a family of, unfortunately, a lot of disabled people physically, uh, people in wheelchairs and et cetera, et cetera. And I know how hard it is for people to get around and getting into a house is not easy in a wheelchair. So, you know, if you're an airbnb this is great that you'll be able to, you know, promote yourself in that way. I think that's good news.
1: Yeah, I think it was a smart move for Airbnb. I think it was a good fit for them. And I agree. I think the demand is there. And just for them expanding their inventory and appealing to a highly qualified and niche audience, I think it's great.
0: Yeah, it's a masterstroke. I mean, they really are becoming the people's platform, right? They really want to be, you know, not a corporate entity. They want people to feel like they're with you all the way. And this is a great way to do that, you know. And it's serving such a great need, you know, there are a lot of people with disabilities in this world that need special attention, require um, whatever it is, and the, the Internet at large has really neglected them for a large mm-hmm. part. I mean, look how many websites still are not ADA compliant, and really now the regulations are, are forcing people to get a little more strict with that stuff, but, you know, it, it this is great. I can't say enough good things about it, I think from a PR perspective has wonderful ripple effects for airbnb but more importantly for the consumer it's it's a slam dunk
1: yeah and i don't know any other travel company that i've at least heard of um that has moved in this direction so i think they were smart with being one of the first ones i know you Mm -hmm. like to use the word arbitrage a lot i don't know if that applies in that case but just them being the first one to kind of be the forefront of really embracing this is awesome. Well, it's it's
2: common from a hotel perspective. You know, you go to a hotel site or to a physical hotel, and you expect that they're going to have you know handicap enabled rooms, they're going to have ramps, they're going to have wider doorways. But with more and more people going to the VRBO home mm-hmm. uh, home away Airbnb type models, though, everybody wants the same basic thing. Sure. But it's so difficult, like. Uh, Melissa, you said for those people to find houses that they can even get into. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this actually saves them a ton of work from you know filtering through all those different places. Yeah,
0: and you know what's going to happen next, right? Because you really think about it, if you're a Hilton or you're a Marriott, you probably already have pretty good handicap accessibility, right? It, just by law, you, you're forced to. But they don't really talk about it a whole lot, or you don't see much press about the fact that you that you, you can go there if you have a disability. So, I think what you're going to see because the all the chains are really paying close attention to what Airbnb is doing and any kind of press it's getting, they try to emulate or try to bury. You're going to start seeing some press coming out related to disabilities and handicap accessibility from the chains. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's going to happen next.
2: And it's not just, you know, people who are handicapped. We have an aging population and more and more people are going to need things like, you know, handholds in bathrooms, you know, easier access doorways, things along those lines. So we're actually in the process of helping a brand new resort that's getting built, build their website and everything along those lines. And I would say just about every one of their rooms has some form of handicap accessible version of that same room. And they've invested a significant amount of money making sure that their property is as handicap accessible as possible.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think this is a little part of what we we talk about a lot on the show and that's treating guests like individuals regardless of anything that's different about them treating everyone as individuals and giving everyone the opportunity to experience the the vacation of a lifetime so i think whether you know someone's coming with small children whether they have a disability whether they're a little person whatever it is that makes them unique and offers unique challenges or unique scenarios for that individual You as a hotelier, as an innkeeper, as someone in the hospitality business should be ready, willing and able to service them regardless of what their situation is. So, uh, you know, this is a good thing. And I think there's a lesson to be learned. If you're a small property, make sure that you are considering all types of folks. And if you do especially cater to some kind of minor minority group then tell people about it. Make sure it's front and center on your website. Make sure that it's not buried deep down in, uh, you know, you, you're going to have more success. And extending it beyond things like disabilities, look at just any kind of niche. Uh, if you're pet friendly, for example, you know, it's another unique thing that you offer as a property. Don't put it as a bullet point in your amenity set. Put it front and center on your website and tell people that we're proud to be pet friendly.
3: Which is not a place you would stay,
0: but per- I would personally. No, it would it would not. But I'm not the right person. I'm not the target audience. Yeah. Is that it for the news?
1: That is it for the newsies.
0: The newsies.
1: Yeah.
0: Are we bringing that back?
1: Yeah, newsies newslet. I don't know what we decided on, but
0: I I, I think I liked newsies, but Pete shot it down <laughs> several episodes ago.
2: I'm not a big fan of of newsletters or newsies, <laughs>
1: <laughs> as opposed to the oldies. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right we can
0: giggle again ladies yes. and gentlemen let's jump into the topic so misha was uh, she hosted a really good uh, webinar this week with stan no who was it with <laughs> it was with trust, trust you and, trust you and rainmaker. rainmaker sorry we've done so many webinars with in touch it's just my default but with yeah trust you and rainmaker and and that was misha's first webinar for us and she did a phenomenal job. Yes, she did. And she spoke about a topic that is near and dear to our, our hearts. I was actually at the OPMA summit this week and I did a, a talk there about a similar subject. I actually stole a lot of your slides, Misha. And uh, so we're going to cover that today. We're basically talking about the friction that is created during the booking process unnecessarily and how to avoid it by kind of borrowing psychology tactics that the Uh, otas are using but to set that up i want you really to think about your booking funnel and when we talk about the f word friction right that scary f word in the booking process there's really two ways to mitigate it one is one is to remove any kind of roadblocks get anything out of their way right streamline that process the other is to use behavioral economics to, to use psychology to push or what we like to call nudge people in a positive direction through the funnel right so applying forward pressure to get them from the beginning to the end in incremental steps so that's what we're talking about today and we have got five specific psychology tactics that we want to kind of go dig, dig into a little bit and talk about how other folks are using them and how you can really apply that today very easily to impact your bottom line and then once we've gone through them we're going to give you some actual data from one of our clients that I would say is banana analytics. So you want to start with number one, Misha?
1: Sure. The first one I think is probably one that most people are familiar with and have heard of before, and that's social proof. So this concept is pretty simple and that people view behavior as correct if they see other people doing it. So this is why you go home, you're watching your favorite sitcom, they play the laugh track at the funny parts to let you know, hey, this is funny, you should laugh. Or not that I would know because I'm actually a 72 year old and I don't go out. But if you are a nightclub person and you see that there's a line around the block, well, that's them forcing a line to let people know, hey, this place is popping. You should probably get in line too.
0: Popping. Popping. Is, is that what the kids call it these days?
1: I I think so. Clearly. Yes. Clearly. All the cool. Kids. I would know what all the cool jargon is. Um, so, taking that concept. And working that into your booking process is actually pretty simple, and there's several ways that you can do this. So this is, again, something that you will see on a lot of the OTA sites, the first of which is you can communicate how many people are viewing a current page. So if you're you know, looking at a rooms page, you can have a message that says five people are currently viewing this room. You can also have messaging related to how many people have booked a room in a current time period. So this could be something like 25 people have booked this room this week. Um, or another thing that I really like is guest reviews and not just having them on your website because I think we've talked plenty in the past about why that's valuable to have them on your website, but also strategically placing them on either rooms pages, um, or just throughout the booking process, you know, showing some guest testimonials, showing some things that are hyper relevant to whatever room someone might be looking at, you know, providing some context for their decision-making process.
0: Yeah, anytime you can add validity to someone's decision through social proof, and it doesn't have to be in the form of a full-on review, right? So, for example, if you are a, a, a condo and you've got these big units and they're really conducive to multi-generational families, or You know, for people that have kids and want separation from their kids, whatever it is, just putting a little snippet, like a little quote testimonial from someone that is a peer to that person, like something like I stayed here with my kids and we had plenty of room and they had their own little room out of the way of the parents. Little testimonials like that from real people that actually stayed, that look and seem similar to me that reassure me and, and convince me that I'm making a good decision. That's what social proof does. it 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 helps eliminate that doubt that I have. And, like you said at the beginning, if someone else has already done it, that removes a lot of my doubt in my head. and I'm more likely to make a positive decision. You know you' it's a good job for persuading people to do something you want them to do.
2: You know one thing I would add to that is, so many times you see testimonials on hotel sites which is phenomenal we expect it to be there but it's a little bit siloed there'll be a testimonials page there'll be a little testimonial section on the home page but those testimonials really are not following the guests through to individual trigger points in that conversion funnel so if they are on that you know the you know five bedroom suite that is specifically where those testimonials should be you know spread those throughout the entire site not just in your testimonial section. Don't I make people look for them. totally yeah.
1: agree. If you can have, especially we work with a lot of properties that are minimized so a lot of the units aren't necessarily the same, which is okay. You know, if you can speak to that and let people know why the unit is unique or why it might work better for one target than another, I think that's really great. And again, just providing that context to their decision-making process.
0: Yeah, you can extend that to all kinds of attributes for a property, right? Let's say, say it's oceanfront versus ocean view or city view, whatever it is. Like having little quotes from people, you know, I love looking out over the city and seeing all the lights at night. Or I love waking up and opening my balcony in the morning and, and, see, and hearing the ocean or sleeping with the door open so I could hear the ocean. Little personalized comments like that that are relevant to a specific unit type or individual unit, that can really compel someone to make a positive decision.
1: We ready for number two, 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 two.
0: Yes, yes, Number one, yes, number yes, two, yes, two, yes, two,
1: yes. one? <laughs> yes, I did.
0: Callback. No one's going to get that unless they listen to <laughs> last week's episode. Well,
1: they should be listening to every episode so they can understand every reference. That's
0: right. We're like a linear show We're with a story arc. Yeah, it you just know, you have to watch it continues in order. to evolve Listeners. and
1: get better over time. We
3: are like Friends.
0: Yeah, you got to watch this in order. Although, I do feel like Friends is one of those shows, it's better if you watch it in order, but you really can watch any you, episode yes. at any time and it's just as sure. funny. Greatest TV show of all time.
1: Mm, hot take. I don't know about that. Anyway, we're getting off topic again, yeah, it's, per usual. So
0: you're going to deny that Friends is the best, I, but not offer a, a mm, retort?
1: I would argue that Seinfeld is better than ah, Friends. Oh. Uh, no soup for you. False. <laughs> you're wrong. All Let's right. ask our listeners what's better. See if anybody responds. Yeah.
0: Post, hit us up on Twitter, at Fuel Travel, and tell us Seinfeld or Friends. So
1: it's Stuart versus Misha. Whoever wins gets something. I don't know. Bragging rights. DVD yes. box
0: set. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that okay. we have no device to play on.
0: This is true. All right, carry on. Number two.
1: Number two is scarcity. Again, another concept that I think people are pretty familiar with, but this basically states that the more rare or scarce a resource is, the more valuable it is. And when I was doing my research on a lot of these, I found some really fascinating studies that had been done. And one that I found was really amusing related to scarcity was that there was a study done called the 11,000 Club Experiment. And this exclusive club offered 11,000 people the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to join the club. (laughs) (laughs) And people were like clamoring to join this club just because.
0: How much did it cost?
1: It nothing. It oh, was wow. just only eleven thousand people well, could join be, this exclusive club.
0: Is, is, is enrollment still open?
1: I it, I, it was an older study, I so I, join. I think it was. Uh, you have to get on a waiting list. I'm Can sure. Can we for turn it into then. the
0: eleven thousand and one club?
1: think so not okay i can speak to my own personal
3: experience in this like a thousand years ago before the internet was a thing and imagine like a costco or a sam's club but it was a place you would go and you had to become a quote-unquote member to go through catalogs to order stuff but if you were invited in once that was your only opportunity to sign up and join this club you couldn't come back again and join it later did you sign up of course we did (laughs) i bought a phone And golf clubs. I bought golf, golf clubs there
0: too. Did you play golf at the time?
3: I, I learned how to play golf. But, well, okay. I learned how to swing a club, Okay, <laughs> which I still own. Did you go and in there choose. with the
0: intent of buying golf clubs? No. You were duped into buying golf clubs?
3: No, it was just like, oh, we joined this club. Well, let me look through all these catalogs and see what things we don't need. <laughs> a look, a phone, like an actual yeah, cordless like, like phone. Not, not a mobile phone. No, right I, no. this was like this was really phone. a long time ago.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I have a jacket that got me into an exclusive member's club. Oh.
0: <laughs> Anyone outside of the U.S. does not get that joke. You, you oh, want to
1: no. put some sod on the fairway there? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys didn't have member's only jackets? No, that didn't exist outside no. of the U.S. I only that's, know it from living a, here for 17 years. was a big deal back in the what, yeah. 80s. So 80s, like? people
1: yeah. like the fact that I think scarcity conveys exclusivity, right?
0: Yeah, that's what it is. It's about exclusivity. You can really use this to your advantage. Like it's providing unique value. You know what? I was at the the summit this week. I was talking to a, a guy. He has a company that provides um, like logoed gifts to guests, and and they encourage you to give like one or two of these. What I, you know, and I, I wanted to take it further than they actually were at the time, but. How cool would it be if you as a company or as a hotel, every time someone came, you had... It's like the Hess methodology, right? Where they every year they had a different the like, truck, truck or, or yeah. whatever, right? So they come every year and you have like a collector's t-shirt or a collector's mug or something like that that's logoed with your property has the year on it and you give one to every guest that books direct but you sell additional ones right so if i if i came and i have one mug or glass or whatever it is and my other kid wants one i'm probably going to buy the other one but guess what if i got one this year and then i come back next year and i've got two years in a row i'm like when i'm deciding my vacation the following year maybe i want one again so i'm going to book you versus someone else And so once i've come five years and i got five in a row. There's no way I'm going anywhere else. I'm going to continue that trend, right? It's, I'm part of a club. I'm part of this exclusive thing that I can't get anywhere else. Not many people are using that as a, as a leverage to derive direct bookings, and I think it's something that's probably going to increase over the next 12 or 24 months.
1: Well, from a messaging perspective, what you want to do is appeal to people's FOMO, their fear of missing out. Such a millennial. Oh, sh- Hey.
0: <laughs> FOMO. FOMO.
1: I'll give you FOMO.
0: (laughs) I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I'm confused.
1: (laughs) So, again, back to messaging, you can show, you want to convey limited availability, right? Or limited time offer. So, you can have pop ups. Again, these can be at different places throughout the booking process, but only three rooms left or only 12 hours left to book this special just little gentle nudges to let them know this offer or this room type or whatever it might be is limited it's not going to last forever so you should probably book it right this second
2: if you look at the masters the, the booking.coms the trip advisors how they position rooms i think one example that we've told countless times on the podcast was if you're on tripadvisor And you're looking for two rooms at a certain resort. A lot of times you'll see a little banner at the top of the image that says only two rooms left. If you change it to you need three rooms, all of a sudden, only three rooms left. Hurry.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. And you touched on the next one, number three, right? Which is very related to scarcity, which is urgency. Yes. So so putting that time limit on it, putting a clock on it, giving some kind of deadline, that's when urgency comes into place. Yes, and there's
1: been a lot of studies related to this too. And really when you put that, again, a little bit of a nudge and convey that urgency, this can really suspend deliberate thought, right? Like people are so concerned that they might miss out on this deal that they're not going to spend as much time overthinking it. And you're reducing and cutting through some of that cognitive friction that they might have. Yeah. It
0: changes the way the brain functions. And, And you think about this when someone's standing over you, watching you do something on your computer, think about how much more stressed you are, how much, Like your brain just doesn't function the same, right? You kind of faff around because there's so much pressure on you from having that time constraint, having someone watch. It's the same thing when you put someone on a ticking clock. Who does this best is booking.com. Like if you do a search for a destination, they'll show you on a destination level what percentage of inventory is available if it gets um, below like 6 or 7%. So they'll say… I did a search before I was for the talk. I did I, I just for an example. I searched for Myrtle Beach for next weekend, and it came up right at the beginning, big bold, high contrast, first thing that draws your eyes. It said, Myrtle Beach is ninety three percent booked for these dates. If you don't hurry up, you are not gonna get a stay. It's like holy cow! I have to book right now. You know that puts the pressure on, and we we do it too with some of our clients, right? With their specials, Misha.
1: Yeah, for sure. So we have some of our clients that will use countdown timers, and it's something creative that I haven't necessarily seen outside of our client set. I'm sure other people elsewhere are doing it, but they'll have timers right as soon as you land on the homepage. So it works really well and is really present on the desktop version and the mobile version, and it's pushing whatever special or package that they want to highlight and it's a live countdown so it'll tell you how many days how many hours minutes seconds are left to book this special so that's a good way to just capture somebody's attention right off the bat yeah and well, also an email yeah email, email
0: we've really gotten into testing that recently and it has a tremendous impact when you' because this combines the first three right with, with scarcity urgency and ex- exclusivity and and it's it's crazy when you put in an email there's this special offer just for you Pete DeMayo not anyone else It's just Pete DeMeo's offer and it's going to expire in 24 hours and that clock ticks down in real time after i open that email the click through rate on that the adoption rate on that is really like the, really, the countdown really, is really, stressful really it's really stressful it's like oh man but like you said it 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 short circuits the brain mm-hmm. the normal cognitive reasoning the rational thinking piece of the brain gets completely cut out of the equation when you put someone under pressure like that.
1: Oh yeah.
2: And that's where we are right now with, you know, black Friday, cyber Monday,
1: the retail you know, industry right has done corner. a fantastic slash really annoying job at this. Yeah. So yeah, well, I, I
2: we hate have, it, but, like, but I love it. A lot of different, you know, of our clients do this black Friday, cyber Monday type deals and making sure that they have a countdown timer on the site is mm. critical. Sending an email on a, you know, daily basis almost. You only have 72 hours to book. You only have 48 hours to book. Only 24 hours to book. It's amazing as you get closer to that deadline, people are booking because mm-hmm. they're, they are afraid that they're never going to be able to stay in Myrtle Beach or whatever property they're at going to mm-hmm. know, unless they do it right now.
0: Yeah, think of, think about I mean, a lot of us in this room, I'm, I'm looking at everyone, but Pete are runners, right? <laughs> and we all know.
1: Pete has run.
2: I've ran someplace.
0: Yeah, this is true.
1: This morning after coffee? <clears throat> <laughs> easy. Not cool. easy not cool not cool not <laughs> cool
0: it's funny because it's true um, but we you know if you enter a marathon or a half marathon you see these artificial deadlines that they create on, on price hikes yep. price hikes it's hard to say price hikes where If you don't book by this date, the price is going up $20. And and what you see is people kind of procrastinate until that last minute before each deadline. Yep. And anyone that's ever Mm -hmm. run anything like that, you see a huge influx of signups right before each deadline. And we've got some clients that do that with their rates where it's like you book a certain distance out and you get a discount. If it's slightly less of a distance, you get a slightly lower discount. And it has a major psychological impact on people's behavior. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, and there's a few other ways to incorporate this, too. I know you had mentioned the example with Booking.com and showcasing inventory. They have some other messaging that I noticed on their site, too. They had um, some messages that were specific to popular travel dates, just letting people know that there is a high search volume for this weekend or whatever it might be.
0: And that's social proof and... I know. Urgency. We're double
1: dipping a lot of these. Yeah. And then also sold out warnings. So I saw this in a few spots as well. Just reminding people these dates did sell out last year. So letting mm-hmm. them know that the inevitable is coming. You might as well just go ahead and book.
0: Yeah, and they do the other thing that's kind of annoying but kind of brilliant, which is they'll show you unavailable rooms and say, you missed out you on this one. You missed out, Pete. Yeah. You missed out, Pete. Pete, you waited too long. I'm Because so you're sorry. not a runner. I've
2: ruined my... My vacation.
0: I know. So you missed out on this one, but this one's still left, and there's only two left, so don't be a jerk, man. You better book this one before it runs out as well, or your wife is going to be pissed at you. All right. I'm booking it. Hang on a second.
1: Yeah. Wait. That should be their messaging, like, book this before your wife gets pissed. That's right.
0: That's why reviews exist, right? It's so that if if I make a booking and it's a terrible decision, I can point back at the reviews and tell my wife, look, it wasn't my fault. Like All these people told me it was good. Shout at them, not me. My wife doesn't shout. I'm it's like, kidding. does that
1: work? No. <laughs> nah. All right, number four, four, four. This is actually my favorite. I did a lot of research just on pricing in general and how you're showcasing pricing. It was really interesting. So this concept is called anchoring, and this relates to the very popular human tendency to rely too heavily or anchor on one piece of information that they see. So in this case, your price. And how, not only how you're structuring your pricing, but also how you're presenting them is so important.
3: This, I agree with you. This is also my favorite one because I've seen it done so poorly in so many places where you click on a deal that says 30% off and you click on the room and you just see a price. Well, how much... 30% off
1: what? Right. Right. Yeah, is this actually the final price, or am I getting thirty percent off of this? Yeah, people want to know that they're getting the best deal possible. So, and pricing again, deals as marketers, we know everything's made up, and the points don't matter, right? Like, but you have right. to provide people with context to convince them that they are getting a deal. Yeah, show me that yeah. strike through. I want to see what the original price was and how much I'm saving. Yeah,
2: and if you don't do that, it kind of goes back to the beginning of making sure that there are no obstacles. In the booking process if you throw a question to this person am I getting 30 percent off now am I getting 30 percent off during checkout what rate is this all of a sudden you're starting to move that person back in the funnel which is the exact opposite yeah of what it creates you're, what doubt do. right
0: you never want to create doubt yeah, in don't give funnel.
2: them new questions right. yeah. pop quiz
0: okay if you you did a search for your perfect destination all right go ahead pretend in doing your mind. you're doing do, it do, 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 okay do, 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 do. You, there's two results there's two properties left okay, okay. And the first one comes up,
1: mm.
0: it's $179 for, for your stay.
1: Is it Ocean View or what okay. are we talking This this, okay. this is all the information you need. It's
0: right? Right. $179. The second one comes up, normally it's $400. Right now it's $189. Ooh.
1: Okay.
0: Which are you going to book?
1: I think I'm going to splurge. I think, yeah. It's, only,
2: it's
0: too. only ten dollars. Why not? It's only ten dollars
1: more, and it's normally but it's
0: normally four hundred dollars. But it seems like right.
1: a super high end property, right? Yeah,
0: so I can't wait to tell so my you friends. you just spent more staying. because I anchored the right Yeah, that's how anchoring works. Yeah, it's magic.
1: And there's a lot of ways outside of just using like a strike through. Obviously, that's very visual and it has a powerful impact. But even using different colors can convey the same thing. So. Our booking engine, um, Guest Express, happens to do this as whoa, well.
0: Whoa, 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 what? What's that booking
1: engine called? Guest Desk, okay. our booking app. I was so nervous on the webinar, I was going to get them confused, yeah. and I didn't. Guest... But now on the podcast, <laughs> I'm like <laughs> dropping the ball.
0: Guest Desk is the booking engine, Misha. It doesn't guest help Express to shamelessly plug
1: your products if you get them confused.
0: This is true. Although, a lot of people have a hard time saying Guest Desk. I don't know why. They, a lot of people call it Guest Deck when we're mm. on the call. I don't know why. Yeah. But it's so, Guest Desk.
1: Guest Desk. Yeah, okay. does this where you can select different colors so you can have your $400 rate in red and strike it out oh and that's have scary your, red
0: is scary it's, it's very scary right? yeah. but
1: green is nice green means go
0: the octopus was very scary <laughs> do you know what that is from no anyone from your members only jacket <laughs> I don't know it's about the same time it's okay. in Goonies oh,
3: okay. oh oh remember
0: Data at the end he says the octopus was very scary and there was never an octopus in the movie it was really weird like no one understood why he's like They didn't see an octopus. Well, apparently there's a deleted scene with an octopus that they cut out, but they never took that line out.
2: There you go. It's more than just hotel marketing on this podcast. That's right. You learn about the Goonies as well. All
0: right, carry on.
1: So the design is important as well. And just looking at what your options are and how you can present that. I didn't want to get too off-tangent with this, but I did want to talk about another study that I found that I just personally found fascinating, and it's related to pricing. Um, It's more related to decoy pricing, but I just wanted to mention it because it's pretty cool. So, The Economist wanted to push their print and web, web subscription package, right? So... This was priced at $125. So, again, this is for print and web, The Economist. We all know that's a publication. Um, versus their web-only package, which was only $59. So those were the two options. You get web-only for 59 or you get the print and web for $125. So initially, when they did this, a majority of people um, – were 68% were picking the cheaper subscription. The web only, yeah. Yes, for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. But what they did was they did an experiment. So they employed a decoy price. So the new model was web only, 59, print only, 125, or web and print for 125. Oh. So once they made this adjustment and employed that decoy Mm. pricing, 85% of people opted for the more expensive but better deal option. Wow. That's pretty cool. So just another way to demonstrate that there are ways, and I don't want to use the scary M word, but there are ways to kind of manipulate your pricing a little bit.
0: Manipulation. It's
1: perceived value. Yes. It is. Better way to phrase that.
0: Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Anchoring is, is a really, really powerful tool. And, you know, when I'm shopping for a product, have you ever done this where you're, you're thinking you want a product and you find it cheap somewhere and then you realize and you're like that anchors the price in your head and you're looking around for where to buy it and then finally you realize that what you were looking at was like the wrong price but it has you have to reset your brain to now okay mm-hmm. it wasn't actually only 99 dollars. i really have to pay 200 dollars, but in my brain i thought it was only gonna be 99 and it it I have a really hard time doing that. Even though like five minutes before that, I had no context. And I would have gladly paid $200, mm-hmm. but someone screwed me by putting the wrong price on the internet or something like that.
1: Well, and this could, again, I don't want to get too off topic, but this is why sometimes doing things like Groupon can be a little tricky because it can uh, train people to...
0: So we, the worst. We had a yeah. client against <laughs> against our recommendations, against our better judgment. They decided in... Um, this is several years ago, they decided it was the GM was controlling the rates at the time. Since then, they've taken rate management away from the GM and centralized it across all the properties. But one GM at one property decided that in December, when they were really empty anyway, that he was going to give away no, rooms for $9.99 plus taxes and fees, right? So $10 rooms in, in a in a very popular destination where they were probably 60 70% occupied. So it wasn't like no one was coming. So they sold a ton of these. His whole mindset was if I can get people to come then I can resell them on coming again in the summer and and spend 2-300 dollars a night, right? So we did an analysis over the course of the year to see how if that actually panned out or not. There were zero people that were first time visitors that booked for 999 that ended up ever coming again because he'd anchored the rate so low. That no one's gonna spend something for spend nine ninety nine on a room and then turn around and spend two hundred dollars a night on the same room.
1: Yeah, let me just it just doesn't like, happen. Would you, as a person, ever buy something for a price and then go back and pay more for it?
0: And pay twenty times more right. for it, but know? the same exact
1: well, thing.
2: And, yeah. and we've also I mean, we've dug into this across multiple properties where if you have if you've done a Groupon and you stay at a property for a Groupon and another pro- property does a Groupon the next year, you're going to stay at that property. You are not. The you're cust- price shopping. Well, no, you're you're Groupon's customer. You're yeah. not. Sh- you're, you're not dealt, a, Yeah, you're you know, not loyal to a. one property. Yeah, right. we've all done
0: that analysis. It doesn't. work You know, if you look in a single destination where we've got maybe 20 twenty, thirty properties, and we look, the same customer is booking Groupon's at all the different properties, and they're never and loyal they don't to care one property. where they're staying. They don't. They're staying
2: for nine dollars a night. Yeah. Who cares? So
0: so stop doing a Groupon, people. It it does not work long term. If you if you're doing it because you think it's a loss leader to get future repeat business? False. It does not work. So stop it right now. If you can make money on Groupon, if you're somehow manipulating your rates, anchoring the rates, if you will, and saying, oh, it's 40% off of $7 million, that <laughs> that works. Make a profit on every sale, but don't discount your rates mm-hmm. as a loss leader thinking it's going to lead a future business. That is a zero-sum game, and you're not going to build loyalty that way.
2: You know, Aside from doing hotel marketing, we've done a lot of golf marketing you know in our history and one of the things I think was probably the most success, successful is when someone is searching for a golf course across you know many different golf courses and they're trying to decide which one they want to choose, we would have always have what was called a course grid now had the course name and then the rate that the course would cost on any given day. What we found we were able to do is we created a strike through rate that goes right there and when we added that rate, the courses that had a strike through rate, the bookings went through the roof. Mm-hmm. Just because it was, I mean, to your original, you know, pop quiz, Stuart, it was a hundred dollar golf course that I can book for eighty bucks. And that's all the person needed to kind of let all abandon go and they jumped in, booked it, and they're on their way.
0: Right. And I want people to be really careful with this, right? We're not suggesting you should discount your rates all the time. that that is a really dangerous slippery slope. It's a pricing strategy, right? Set your prices higher. Yes, it's manipulation a little bit. But if you can justify, if you can provide value, and if sometimes your rate is at that higher point during the peak season, absolutely, it's a tactic that really, really works.
2: But but you you say that, but everybody has a rack rate, and nobody pays rack rate. I mean, that's pretty common it's like you have the. this is my standard rate it's
3: like going to buy a car nobody pay, pays right. the msrp you know, right and, and well, the
2: problem with hotels is people is typically a hotel you're not going to tell you yeah. oh my rack rate is this but you're paying this they just tell you yeah the room is you know 69 right, a that, night
0: that's one of the things i really like about our, our booking engine people use it wrong and we try to educate our clients all the time not everyone gets it right but you can show multiple rate codes in the the smart ones what they do is they'll say Okay, here's our rack rate, it's $200 a night. Here's our early book discount or the whatever special is running right now and it's it's 20% lower than the the rack rate. But then here is the breakfast included rate and here is the get beer free local brews and 10% off the bar rate, right? So you're you're kind of anchoring the original standard rate, but then you potentially can make more money than that. You offer the discounted rate to show them, okay, if you just want the room, that's fine. But then add stuff on, add value and monetize that. What you'll find is if you have enough value added, you can make more money. You can get more dollars out of an individual than if you were just selling the room. And you know, we all know getting room revenue is getting harder and harder and, and making a profit from that is harder and harder. You've got to find ways to generate revenue from additional services.
1: I totally agree, and I think that you told the story about the you went to Charleston or whatever they had the local brews. I think it's great off giving people choices first of all, and offering value. Obviously, that would lead to more revenue, always good. But this leads me to my last point that I wanted to mention. It's a little bit of a segue. I don't want to too deep into it, but there's a really interesting book. It's called The Paradox of Choice, and I watched an entire TED Talk. That the author did. His name is Barry Schwartz. He's a psychologist. Wait, so you didn't read the
0: book? You just watched the TED Talk?
1: (laughs) It is in my Amazon book wish list. I have not read the book yet. But his TED Talk was really good. Oh, Secret Santa. Or Food or Wine would be good too. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, But so the entire point of this book, he did a very in-depth study about choices and how people make choices, why they make choices and about how choices are good but too many choices are bad so just keeping that general concept in mind we've definitely worked with properties that have taken this concept way overboard where they're offering 10 different rates and specials and packages for the same room. And it's just, it's too much. It's so overwhelming, yeah, Yeah, Do, don't overwhelm people, give them choices, make them feel like they're getting a good value, but don't lead them into um, what we've talked about here before analysis paralysis. Like don't give them too many choices cause then they won't be able to decide.
2: The worst thing that I've seen in, I know, you know, properties are doing the best they can, but when you have multiple percent discount rates, and you show them all together. Oh. Yeah. so that, kinda, burnt, that
0: burns Melissa's button. That really it, it burns, burns my button. This is a button burner.
2: It's Good when thing you go she's to wearing the booking engine, <laughs> You see the anchored rate, you know. So our, you know, rack rate is eighty nine dollars. They have a package where you could save twenty percent, or there's a package where you could save fifteen percent. I want to pay more. Can it, I pay and there's more? there's no differentiation between the two. It's like, why is this even? You here? know what's
0: funny? If you haven't looked at the data, some people pick the higher one. <laughs> and, well, it's like, why? I don't know. That but.
2: tells me I need to put them in the worst room I have. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> it, it's just, it, it,
2: get that stuff like, out there because. Don't
1: people do math to figure out like what they're saving and how much they're paying. But,
2: dude, but what happens is, then they say that, well, there, there must be something I'm getting for 15% ex, you know, versus 20%. Yeah. What, what's my the bonus item that I get when yeah. I check in? If they can't figure it out, then there's a question then there's doubt, and then there's not a booking. Yeah, You're
0: creating friction when you add doubt, when you add confusion, when you add fear. Don't add friction. Your job is to remove as much friction as possible. What's the next one, Misha? Our
1: last and final point number... Wait, it's
0: last and final? Yes.
1: Is that redundant, repetitive?
0: It is. is It's a tautology, I believe is what Mm -hmm. that's
1: called. ...is assurance and risk mitigation. It is a twofer, but... Two very closely related things. So people want to trust your brand. They want to trust that they're making the right choice. And they want to trust that they're getting the absolute best deal possible. So what you want to do is incorporate messaging strategically throughout your booking experience to eliminate any doubts the shopper might have when they're booking with your hotel. What you just said, Pete. So anything that you offer that can eliminate some of that doubt put that throughout the booking funnel. So this could be anything from free cancellation if that's something that your property offers, no deposit required, free refunds, secure booking. Cybersecurity is a huge thing. So people want to know that you're being mindful of their personal information. And then this could even potentially be an upsell opportunity. You know, we work with clients who Have um, hotels and destinations, you know, their larger purchases during different seasonality. And so they can sell a vacation protection plan or travel insurance or something to let people know that if something happens for only an extra $30, you're covered.
0: Yeah. Think about this. Most people, especially if it's a family vacation, this is probably the biggest investment they make each year. You know, it's thousands of dollars in a lot of cases. There's a lot of fear in that. There's a lot of doubt in that. And your job to remove friction is to eliminate that, to answer every question they have. Don't put any new questions in front of them and reassure them every step of the way. Again, I'm going to go back to booking.com. Just about everything you just mentioned, they do. Yep. Right. If you you do an initial search, every property will say free cancellations, no deposit required. Every single one of them does that.
1: Yeah, and even in the business travel space too, I think this is so important because... <clears throat> I personally have a lot of friends that work in sales or they work in software, whatever it might be, and they're traveling a lot, but a lot of times their travel plans change last minute. So them, you know, booking with whether it's Hilton or Marriott, they prefer brands that have that, you know, free cancellation or allow them flexible travel dates just because they have that security.
2: The other thing that you need to make sure you do, and this is easy, go on Google, do a search for best rate guarantee icon and get a best rate guarantee on your property site. There's absolutely Or you no, better have one for us. Or yeah, you, yeah you, you need to create one. <laughs> yeah. Make and, sure your best rate is actually guaranteed. You're the one actually selling the room at the end of the day. Make sure you give yourself the best rate and make sure you tell your guest that if they've booked directly with you and they find a better rate elsewhere that you'll match it. You'll do something. You'll give them, you know, a complimentary, you know, food and beverage credit of $10 whatever it might be. But make sure they know that they can book direct and there's literally no risk of them finding a better deal
0: elsewhere. Yeah, and, and even more than that, add value, right? So not only match the rate if or, or beat the rate if you can, but say if you book direct, if you book through here right now, you also get this stuff that you don't get anywhere else. Because that, that then lead, leads to using FOMO against the opposition. I don't right? want to miss against, out on that
1: members only jacket.
0: Exactly. You only Sweet. get the FOMO jacket. If you book direct. <laughs> FOMO
1: jacket. We
3: need to make that a thing now. The FOMO yeah. jacket. <laughs> I know what we
0: I'm Should getting bring
3: those to Christmas. like trade shows. Yeah. FOMO, FOMO jacket. jacket. Yeah. yeah.
0: We could come up with an acronym where it's like Fuel Online Marketing channel. Organa- yes. Fuel
1: Omni Channel Marketing Organization. There you go. Done.
0: But it's gonna burn Melissa's buttons for using the word omnichannel. I
1: don't she's wearing a zipper today, it's fine. There are no buttons being burned Her today. house
0: is burning down as we speak. <laughs> all, all her buttons are in her house oh God. right now. Oh God.
1: People that live in glass houses shouldn't burn buttons. <laughs> I, don't know that I don't think work. her house is made of glass. I don't know.
0: It's probably brick and wood and stuff.
1: So those are our five marketing <laughs> psychology hacks.
0: Are we done with reassurance? We are done. I don't know. I feel like reassurance, that we need to talk about reassurance more. Are you? We need to okay, reassure so people. I think
1: we hit all of our points sufficiently. <laughs> I think we've done a very good job at communicating them and I think our audience got a lot of value.
2: Mm-hmm. I want to add one more thing. <laughs> Pete disagrees <laughs> yes, with you, I, I disagree. I disagree vehemently because once a booking's been made, that's when you really need to pour on the reassurance. The honey. You need to pour on the honey.
0: Make sure there's no buyer's remorse. Right. Be, because
2: yes. if you can send them... A nice confirmation email you can follow up with them throughout the stay throughout the time between their booking and their stay that they've made the best choice in the world they're the smartest person in the room they're attractive they're wonderful everybody likes them
0: they're not going to then abandon that booking throughout the process right so there was a study done recently I may not be recently but I heard it recently and it talked about how much time you think about during different phases of the stay right so the, the anticipations phase, the actual stay, and then the memories and afterwards, right? So people on average answered, they spend 40% of their time thinking about prior to the stay, anticipating 20% during the actual stay and 40% afterwards. So the actual stay is less important than the anticipation. Mm-hmm. And you're exactly right. You can get cancellations and people could have buyer's remorse. So... Again, the stay begins at when they book. The rules of engagement of how you communicate with them completely change the minute they book. Okay, If you say I can only email my guest or my email database once a week maximum, that changes when you have a one-to-one personal relationship and they have a booking. As long as you're being valuable, as long as you're giving them something that, it, that they are going to want to receive and enhances their experience You can spam the crap out of them. And by spam, I mean send them really, really valuable (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Can I share my risk mitigation story? Yes, you may. Perfect. Continue. I wasn't on the
2: podcast last time because... Hey, you know what's weird? Nobody missed me.
0: No. Misha asked permission to share something last week. She asked permission to share that she was doing a webinar. And you're asking permission this week. Like... Wow. It, it's, this has never happened in, in the history it's of It's a lead people. into this. Like Everybody, shut, shut up. Shut up, shut up, shut everyone up, shut everything. up. Everyone does Shut up, shut up. <laughs> wow, that's
2: weird. We're <laughs> telling a story. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Carry on. Anyway, so I was on the podcast last time because me. Three Pete was on instead. Right, Three Pete was. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I was down in Jacksonville going to a Jaguars game with me and a bunch of my buddies. My job as part of this group of friends that travel is to book the accommodations. Typically, we book through VRBO or HomeAway, whatever it might be, and we get a you know big house. Are we
0: don't tell people that. Like we're meant to support the hotel <laughs> industry. <laughs> well, here's the
2: problem: is Jacksonville does not have a lot of big, you know, accommodations.
0: So, or at least they're not marketing it effectively. Well, no, to and, get to and reach they out. have
2: a, the beach right there. So obviously, we you know we try to find a big beach house. Anyway, I booked through VRBO, got Boo. the house. Yep. <clears throat> I know. Anyway. Hurricane comes through. We're
0: not going to let you finish the story. Okay. Hurricane, hurricane
2: comes through. The per- people who own the house, their primary residence burned down during the hurricane. Oh, they good. moved in to the place I w- we were supposed to stay at. They also were out $40,000 in rental income because, obviously, they're not renting the place anymore. And now I'm out at this moment several thousand dollars. I have to book another rental place to... Have a place to sleep while we're down there, and now I'm having to fight to get my money back from the original place. Thousands of dollars are tied up in my credit card right now. I'm going nuts. Luckily, my buddies are all going to you know take care of me. You know if it doesn't come through, they're going to give you a hug. <laughs> well, no, they're going to give me cash money. Anyway, luckily I had you know. You became really gangster. <laughs> I, <laughs> cash money. Cash money. <laughs> anyway, funny. luckily I had you know booked it on a credit card. So I was able to go through the chargeback process and and get my money back. The owner said that they were going to eventually refund me, but it was going over on and on and on and on over several weeks and I hadn't gotten my money. So it was really, really stressful. Now, staying with an accommodate hotel, I wouldn't have to worry about that because they'd have cancellation policies and refund policies and everything. But next time I book, that is gonna be first and foremost in my mind, making sure I understand if I make this booking, I'm going to be able to get my money back if I don't stay.
0: Yeah, it's a risk, right? When you're booking with individuals, whether it's VRBO, Airbnb, there's definitely an inherent risk that's above and beyond that of booking with a hotel hmm. or through an OTA yeah. or something like that.
2: And it never really, I mean, it always struck me as I'm, I'm booking on VRBO or HomeAway or whomever it might be, everything is fine until I actually had to go through the process and it was painful and It was very scary of, am I going to get this money back?
0: Was it as scary as the octopus in the Goonies?
2: It was just about that scary.
0: Yeah. So did you get your money back? I did. Yeah. So the
2: Bank of America was phenomenal. If you ever have to buy anything, use a Bank of America credit card. Because they... Plug
1: (laughs) in banks for free now? Come
2: on. Hey. Pete, come on. They did charge me back for the rewards points I earned. Which
0: I'm okay with that. Mm.
1: So is it time to answer our question?
0: So, yeah, we had a question this week, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Yay! It actually
0: came in, you know, not once have we ever said, if you have a question, hit us up on Facebook. You know, we say Twitter. We say email. We say leave us a review on iTunes. We to answer
1: any questions that come in. But if this, you want to send this us an, rogue, an owl from
0: Hogwarts. Hogwarts. They, hey, I'm, I applaud them. For being a maverick, a rogue, and going to Facebook to ask us this question. So go for
1: it. To be fair, I do have to apologize because this question was asked like a month ago. And I just (laughs) suck at checking our comments apparently. But this question was from Amber Hoffman from Facebook. And she asks, what are some best practices for creating engaging Facebook ads that ensure a high ROI?
0: Well, seeing as you do all our Facebook ads, Misha, (laughs) you want to answer this one?
1: So this is a really good question. This is something that has been a hot topic within, for sure, the past year, more so than ever since I've been at Fuel, is people wanting to really hone in on what is the ROI of social media, which is a loaded question. Mm. And this could honestly be a topic for an entire podcast. But to be brief, um, definitely start by using general ad best practices. Your ads never are not going to perform well if they suck. So <laughs> using God. You
0: did a, podca- uh, a podcast, a blog article about like ad formats on Facebook. Yes. And it, it, I want to say it's our second or third most popular blog article yeah. this year. It's really, really high right. in there, the last 12 months.
1: Yes, there is a blog on our site. Again, we'll shameless self-promotion. We'll link to that in the show notes. On the best Facebook ad types for hotels. And there's also a post about 75 Post ideas for hotels. Um, but yeah, just using general best practices start there. Facebook has a lot of documentation on this as far as um, the size requirements for images. They do not like text on images. So we recommend either no text or very little text.
0: It's going to be like less than 20% of the total and image. of they've like really just, str- yeah. yeah, you'll
1: get warnings basically anytime you have text that it probably won't reach the right audience or whatever. Yep. Um, so using obviously uber high quality images. And then outside of the the visual factor of it, you know, you want to use clever and engaging ad copy, you know, and do some testing here, you know, test some things that are a little bit more straightforward, test some things that are a little bit more clever, use some of the marketing psychology hacks we just talked about in your ad copy. And then also be sure that your message matches whatever call to action. If you've ever done created Facebook ads, you know, you can select what your CTA is. So make sure that matches and makes sense. Um, and just check all of the documentation that Facebook has. You know, they're giving you rules of the road, so you definitely want to follow those.
0: Yeah, and think about the context, right? It, this is a very different approach than AdWords. AdWords, someone is actively seeking to find out the answer to something or solution to something or to, or to book, whatever it is. They're looking for you, hopefully. With Facebook, you're interrupting them from doing whatever they're doing on Facebook, right? You're competing with their friends, their families, and and whatnot.
1: Cats, tasty videos. like Exactly. Tasty so, cats. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> Those the, are unrelated.
0: The mistake a lot of people make is they really promote their social media presence on their website. right? So they're driving people from the website, which is something that's going to get them to convert to something where they're going to get really, really distracted. That's the wrong thing. What you should be doing is making a Facebook ad campaign, which can be really, really effective. Arbitrage is still happening on Facebook. It's still one of the cheapest places and most targeted places you can pay for advertising. You should be doing it if you're not. But your job of your ads should be to get people the heck off of Facebook as quickly as possible. Because if you keep them on Facebook, they're going to keep scrolling and they're going to find something else that is distracting them. People get distracted really, really easily on Facebook. So get them off of Facebook onto some kind of conversion funnel, whether that's an email sign up, whether that's a booking funnel, whatever it is, or, or valuable content that leads to some kind of call to action, get them off of Facebook onto your website as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a good segue into my my second point and recommendation is to really think about and establish realistic goals and what the relevant KPIs are with those goals. So a lot of people think are oh, ROI, Like how much money is Facebook going to make me? And that's not necessarily the right mindset. Like if you're going after a Facebook advertising campaign because you want to generate a ton of revenue, not necessarily the right goal with that. Not to say that Facebook can't generate revenue, but you've got to look at um, things like, page likes right like building an audience how much is a new page like work worth for you and what are you going to do with those likes after you acquire them you're looking at generating traffic to your website so again pushing people through that funnel how much is that website traffic worth to you and then generating leads they have a whole ad type now about adding email addresses to your database so how much is you know an email address worth for you it's not always right Right now about how much money is this going to make me tomorrow? It's definitely a long play.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, and the lead ads especially for me are what, where the, the action really is on Facebook. You can convince someone if you provide value, if you give them something worthwhile to, to give you an email address and if you're smart and you have a good email strategy through a drip campaign, through ongoing targeting, you can convert someone who you have their email address into a booker. It might not be tomorrow. You might be exactly right. But it's nurturing them, reassuring them, giving them anchored value. All the stuff we talked about in the show today, applying those psychology psychology tactics to getting them to convert eventually.
1: For sure. And then you also really want to, again, my third point is matching your goals to your targeting. So you can be as broad or as narrow as you want with targeting people in Facebook. So you really do need to strategically think out your campaigns. It's no longer just, I'm going to target some people who I know that like the beach. I mean, that's just, you're doing it wrong if that's what your mindset is. So you can target people that are specifically in different phases of the travel shopping funnel, right? So if you want to go a little bit more broad, this would be a good match for A page like campaign you know you're trying to generate some awareness you could even do um, if somebody's been your website before didn't complete a booking um, or if they did complete a booking you know retarget them to get them to like you on Facebook to keep up with you um, going a little bit farther down the funnel, you might want to consider lead generation ads, um, and then targeting people who either already like your page but aren't in your database. Again, matching your targeting with what stage of the travel funnel they're in. And then, if you want to get very highly targeted, and you have you know a special promotion coming up or a package that you want to push, you know, looking at targeting people that are, let's say, they're already. A fan of your page, so the brand awareness is there, um, and you can also pair that with somebody who stayed in the past. So uploading an email database based on the they stayed last summer right. and custom rehit audiences. them, yeah, custom really audience. Powerful. So rehit them with an ad to stay for this summer. There's so many targeting options on Facebook, and it can be a little bit overwhelming. I mean, again, the analysis paralysis. There's so many options and so many choices. It's it's almost like where do you get started, but take the time to really think out your campaigns they'll be a million times more effective
0: yeah and here's the thing if you don't have a paid strategy for facebook you don't have a strategy for facebook because facebook's doing everything they can to minimize mm-hmm. the social reach of yeah. brands organic right? reach is is dead, is dead. organic right. reach is the new seo right a year ago <laughs> you know we dropped to probably 4 to 6% of our, of our audience would see so even if you've spent a ton of money building up these likes a year ago We'd maybe reach four to six of them, 6% of them, if we had a good post and if they shared it, right? It's dwindled down to like one to 3% now. And now Facebook's going even further by separating brand newsfeed with friends and family newsfeed.
1: Well, this is, a, don't confuse people, this is like a beta test in six countries that aren't the United States.
0: This is true, but it's probably <laughs> heading that direction, right? Facebook are getting ready. To completely kill organic reach for brands, yeah, most likely. This
1: is a pay-to-play game, yeah. for
0: sure, and 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 rightfully so, right? That it, we we feel entitled as marketers. You know, Google did it for a long time with organic search before they started yeah. putting all the paid stuff above us, right, including GHA and, and AdWords and whatnot. We, we're not entitled to free traffic and free business from anyone. That, that, that's a nonsense notion. What, I think we're people, spoiled because we have yeah. gotten that. People expect it because that's what we've had. But th- there's no reason that Facebook should give us free money. That's silliness.
2: No, I, I think hoteliers and all marketers think, oh, my fans are mine. No. Facebook's uh, what this? Facebook's you know revenue is from its users. You know, that's where all their money comes from yeah, Facebook they are is a the business. Product. they're yeah.
1: not just around to be nice and help you see pictures yeah. of your kitties and cats like is
2: their their users subscribers because, right. and, their, and their users you are right. just a way you're paying to get to them it doesn't matter if you're your fans or not that doesn't matter right. facebook is a firewall between you and them. Every,
0: everything you consume right everything you do if you're not paying for it you are that the product you yep. are what's being sold Facebook's no difference. If if I go and I share photos of my kids or I read what Melissa's doing this weekend, I'm the product yep. because I'm showing an indication of who I am, what I like, and Facebook's going to monetize that. And they're going to monetize it through folks like us that spend money to advertise. The good thing is if you do it well, even though you're having to spend money, it makes a good return on investment. You should be advertising on Facebook, especially lead ads Personally, that's really good. And the dynamic ads for travel is another one that you should be dabbling in as well.
1: Yeah, and my, my only last note here was to use the Facebook Pixel. Um, this really unlocks a lot of targeting and retargeting options. Again, it gets it's a rabbit hole. There's a lot of documentation on it. I encourage you to get up to speed on it. Um, just be mindful of the metrics here because they do... Just the way it pulls in things into the Facebook UI, it can be a little bit misleading in my opinion. I don't know if our analytics director has any thoughts on this. <laughs> That's another
3: topic for another
1: day. Okay, fair. Yeah. Um, but just be mindful of, be, be aware of how they're reporting things. And then finally, just make sure everything is being tracked appropriately because you certainly cannot figure out your ROI if you're not tracking things.
0: Yeah, which goes back to, what, two episodes ago when we looked at, all the things that all can go cattywampus yes, yeah. with your analytics.
1: So make sure you're tracking and then, again, make sure that you're pairing the appropriate goals with the appropriate KPIs. Because if you're trying to generate revenue from page likes, you're not going to be able to convince anybody that anything is worth anything on Facebook. But that's obviously not the right metric.
0: So, that's a great question. You're right. We probably should have done a whole episode on that.
1: It's all right. We but can, hey, can flush it out next time.
0: It's Thanksgiving, and people got two for one today. They did. You know, they should be thankful for that. I g- can I tell my Thanksgiving joke now? Oh, Lord. Yes, yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> if April showers bring May flowers, what do May flowers bring? Oh,
0: June something? Pilgrim. Pilgrims.
1: Pilgrims. <laughs> <laughs> Not amused.
2: Well, they left England. Of course he's not a man. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> are you a pilgrim? I guess. <laughs> so when are we going to make the turkey, like, hand cut out prints for the walled oh, of office? We should can so Can we do, do a that. craft day and make, like, little hats? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Turkey <Sounds> good. hats.
0: <laughs> you get right ahead. Yes. Finish those TPS reports and you can get <laughs> right on that. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Ooh. So it is Thanksgiving uh, coming up next week in the Americas. And, or I guess just the United States of America, not the Americas. Because <laughs> Canada yeah, has a different yeah. day for Thanksgiving, right? They're thankful for other stuff. But uh, yeah, so we won't have an episode next week, but then we'll we'll be back on track the following week. Melissa, analytics yet? Or? Yeah, we'll see. This is like an ongoing <laughs> joke. We
2: still need to hear the next music. No
0: music. We've music. had no requests. People We've apparently have no requests.
3: Had, People have no musical, like. Yeah.
0: We had it, a comment, though. Someone did comment when you did it about how yes. awesome it was, but no one's requested any songs.
1: I requested Gin and Juice and that got shut down. Mm, so, yeah. This is true. There's good reason for that.
0: Yeah. If you go back and listen to that episode when you requested it, the secret bit at the end, we always do an Easter egg at the end, yeah. was Pete singing that song. Ooh. Yeah. It's tasty.
1: <laughs> saucy. Very saucy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Pete is a saucy little mix. Right? <laughs>
1: Call me kitty cat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why are you doing this all now? Because I would, I would want to end all this, or put this all at the end after uh, the credits. So if a- you don't listen to the show after the final... You're missing the best dong, part. Whatever, yeah,
2: mis- it's more than Easter egg. There's a whole Easter basket at the <laughs> yeah. end of each show. That's
0: right. It's a Thanksgiving Easter basket. Exactly <laughs> a right.
1: cornucopia, if you will. <laughs> nice. Oh.
0: I will. Very, Very festive. I like it. Well, all right, Pete, where
2: can they find you on uh, Twitter? I don't know. <laughs> After this one, I don't want to tell them. Uh, wait, can I, they, wait,
3: wait, can I if, tell if, what I'm thankful for? because no, it's hang Thanksgiving. On, wait, wait.
2: <laughs>
0: they can find me on Twitter at Pete P-D-I-M-A-I-O. Okay. No, what I, are you thankful for Pete? Cause Melissa's going to do that. So I don't want to come back to you afterwards. Oh, geez. unless Melissa wants to go first. She looks like, really first. Yes. Oh, first.
3: No, so we had, I th- only
0: see Melissa this ego when she's <laughs> just solved some major analytics problem. Or if she wants to tell us what she's thankful for, Thanksgiving.
3: <laughs> One or the other. Yeah. So yesterday touch. we had Thanksgiving in the office, and everybody brought something in, and we had yeah. turkey and a whole kumbaya thing. And Pete brought in his own homemade honey butter. It was I did. Delicious, yeah. And it was delicious, and I'm so thankful for it because I accidentally <laughs> ate the honey butter instead of mashed potatoes. In a one giant scoop, and I have no regrets about it. So, <laughs> so
0: you scooped it up thinking it was mashed potatoes? No, I mean, it was
3: on my plate in like a small thing. It so was like spread on yeah, my butter. Yeah. But I thought so, when I took a forkful of it that it was mashed potatoes. But yeah. it, it was the honey butter. And, and
2: three wow. Pete and I were talking about this yeah. beforehand that someone will probably mistake my honey butter for, for mashed, mashed potatoes. potatoes. And so, they did. It was Melissa. Melissa.
3: Pete, I, how, many, it was
1: delicious. how many bees did you have to milk to get that much honey? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was, each bee produces about a twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in its life, and I had two-thirds of
0: a cup of I honey I can't do that the,
2: math. I don't know what the math is. I'll leave that to the analytics people. Not, 980 it was a lot of bees. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's really good. And your honey made a special uh, appearance in my dish as well. I made Zimbabwe green, greens that requires honey. Zimbabwe greens. Greens. <laughs> Zimbabwe greens. And it, it requires... <laughs> Honey, and I use your honey. Honey, <laughs> I felt like no one's listening. The time. <laughs> I think they've all. I'm hey, Melissa. Where can they find you on the web?
3: I am on Twitter at m a kavodar m a k a v a n a g h. I got you it right. spelled this it right this time.
0: <laughs> Woo! Amboquio. Yes. What? Same question. Repeated.
1: You can Google me. I'm pretty easy to find. no you can find me. <laughs> Is on... there anyone else has your
0: name? Have you no, ever... I am
1: like a thousand percent sure I'm the only person with my name. I have a Russian, German, Italian name. Super white though. What's
0: your middle name? It's like Olivsk or something. It's
1: Alois. I, I really always think about it like Popeye. I think I think I decided I'm just gonna like change the way it's pronounced because I don't like it.
0: What is it? What is it? Say, it Olives. Alois. How are you gonna pronounce? It?
1: I think I'm just gonna pronounce it Alois, maybe. I don't know. Open to suggestions on what I should change my <laughs> middle name to.
2: If anybody wants to change Misha's name, yeah. leave
1: us oh, a comment. Oh, let's run a sweepstake. And it's like my, so my middle name, not that I like monograms, because I actually really hate monograms, but my middle, so Who my hates monogra- monograms, I, I just don't like them. I don't know. They're super tacky. I think they're stupid. Wow. So my monogram is NBA and it's like a lot of pressure to get my NBA. So <laughs> <laughs> we can like change that. That'd be great. Or if somebody wants to sponsor my NBA, I'm open to that too. Wait,
0: olives is spelled with an A? I was always thinking, Oh.
1: It's like, A L O I S. Oh, I thought it was an O also. Yeah. No, it's Alos. Like, oh. Oh. Alos. <laughs> Alos.
0: And And what's your brother's name again?
1: Michael David. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Your mom, mom was just messing with Not me. they took all the extra letters from your
2: brother's name and said let's put these together to make
1: I'm nature. just convinced that I just sucked the life out of my parents and they were just like yeah whatever michael's fine.
0: That's really funny. So if you want to rename Amisha on Twitter, yes. you can do so by sending us a tweet at fuel travel. Did they expand the number of characters yet to everyone? Ah, uh, no. Mm-hmm. I'm team 140.
1: Right I no, it's it's Everyone's out there. Out. Yeah. Everyone's going down. Somebody actually tweeted at me. I well I responded and I used some abbreviations in the thread. I was It's like TT for title tags and MD for meta description and And whatever. And they're like, you know, you have extra characters now. I'm like, no, team 140 for life.
0: Yeah. That's funny.
1: Viva la resistance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to hit us up at Fuel Travel, you may do so. You can hit me up personally at Fuel, no, at Stuart Butler, (laughs) S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R or Fuel Travel because I see that as well. You can get the show notes to this episode, which went a little off the rails here at the end. At fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 69. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast.
2: cue the bass
0: Melissa,
2: <laughs> <laughs> come on. boom boom
1: boom the Jazz floops are for sissies.